Hey, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of my podcast, How to Successfully Apply to Veterinary School for Undergraduate Students. I, myself, am a undergraduate student here at the University of California, Davis, and my name is Zechariah Phillip, by the way. I'm a third-year chemistry major here, and I want to be a veterinarian, and I figured I would share my experience with you all and also help you to understand some of the requirements that the University of California, Davis has for getting into their vet school. There's quite a few of them. All of them seem very unrelated almost, but I'm going to talk about that today, kind of provide explanation for and provide background for why some of these prerequisites exist. I'm also going to try to help you think of ways to meet these requirements and also share some of my experience because the chemistry major is kind of a unusual major to be doing for veterinary school. Most people, you know, try to use animal science or biology, but to be honest, you can use just about any major to apply to veterinary school as long as, of course, you've met all of the education prerequisites, which I'll talk about that later. But I'm going to be using the University of California Davis's School of Veterinary Medicine website at vetmed.ucdavis.edu. You can use it yourself. This is the school I want to go to. And, you know, of course, that may not end up happening, but I'm going to try it for it anyway. So I'm going to be using their minimum requirements page for admission. You can see this on the site that I mentioned. Anyway, they have an outline here of all the things they like students to have, GPA, you know, veterinary experience, all, various, a lot of things. I'm not going to spoil it for now because then it would be no fun. <laughs> so I'm going to be using this as an outline and kind of just going through it, examining it, and using other sources to help me, help back me up because, you know, I'm just a student. I don't really have any qualifications and just kind of also share some stories that I learned along the way. So let's get on with it. So here, the first thing on the minimum requirements page is it says, in order to be considered for admission into the School of Veterinary Medicine, all submitted applications must meet following minimum requirements. Okay, first thing, grade point averages. University of California, Davis surprisingly has a minimum grade point average of 2.5 on a four point scale. Now that seems really low, of course. Now, I was talking to a veterinarian that I've worked with, and she was saying that, you know, the higher your GPA is, the more likely they are to consider you in the first place. Because one, it not only provides a number that, for example, like demonstrates your knowledge and of course your ability to put yourself to work and actually learn some of the things. Sort of like a a number that sort of quantifies how much work you've put into a subject and how willing you are to maybe continue that you know amount of study and things because that's going to be something that's really important in veterinary school. Um, it's basically like medical school where you have to do four years of study where you're learning about anatomy, animal biology, basically as many things as possible to prepare you for getting into veterinary school and having a good GPA prior to applying does help with that. Now, of course, it says here you have to have a minimum of 2.5. So if, you're, if your GPA is not that great, don't stress about it because as long as it meets this minimum requirement, you still have a chance to get in. Now, of course, you have to consider this along with all the other things that the school prefers you to have. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just wanted to uh, read this source here that I have called So You Want to Be a Vet by Neil Patton. He is a Royal Veterinary College tutor um, and professor at the Royal Veterinary College over in England. And he wrote this book to help prepare people for 
the realities of being a veterinarian as well as you know how to best get into it now um he says here in his chapter on becoming a vet, there's a section in that chapter called academic requirements. And he says that one thing that is not a myth is that you need to get good grades to get into veterinary school. You know, he later goes on to say that the the grade requirements will shift from year to year and from university to university. So it would be impossible to list them in any sensible format. So such that each for each favored university should be checked individually. You know, even though he said, you know, having good grades is paramount, he also then later goes on to say that, as was shown there, that it depends on each school. Now, when you think about it in reality, you can't graduate veterinary school with a C in being a doctor of veterinary medicine. Like, you, if you graduate, you graduate as a doctorate. No one cares if you got C's in all your classes. For me. It doesn't matter. You are now a doctor of veterinary medicine. And... As such, grades are not as super, not that important. Of course, you need to pass all your classes. Like, uh, I'm not saying you should continue getting C's and all these things. You need to do your best. Then they re also require you to do a GRE, which is a graduate record examination. Basically, they test you on your knowledge when graduating from college. In this case, like for me, I'll be doing so with a bachelor's degree in chemistry. And basically, they're going to be testing me on all these things um, that I've learned in the past four years. Of course, there are specific courses that they require you to take in preparation for this. A lot of science because veterinary medicine, as you might imagine, is a very, very science heavy profession. You know, you need to know chemistry, you need to know biology, you need to know all, of, all the little things that go under that, organic chemistry metabolism, biochemistry, genetics, physiology, and then there's even a little bit of math involved with statistics as a lot of the studies that are done to help veterinarians learn how to better care for dogs and cats and you know all of their patients is to use statistical analysis of, you know, okay, we have this new dog food of here. We have 300 dogs all eating this dog food and then after 10 years they're all dying of cancer. Is it related? Who knows? But now there's a statistic for it. I'm not saying that that was a real example. I'm just making that up. But of course, that's how statistics would come in handy. The next thing that they also require, which can really help with a lot of these other things, is having a lot of veterinary experience. Now, they require a minimum of 180 hours of veterinary experience to apply to this school. Now, what does that mean? Well, veterinary experience means that you're working in an established veterinary institution. It can't just be with, for example, the Humane Society or the zoo. Well, unless you're working in the veterinary division at the zoo, but it has to be with an established veterinarian. One, to get you the kind of experience to help you say, okay, I actually want to be in this profession. And two, for you to see how difficult and stressful that this job is. Um, they really want people to know that it's it's a difficult thing to do. And I worked with the veterinary hospital for quite a while, and I was just a front desk customer service guy. And because their hospital was understaffed, I eventually started helping, you know, with a little bit of everything here and there around the hospital. But the one thing I did notice is that pretty much everybody works overtime. That also may have been because we were slightly understaffed. But even still, for example, all the doctors had eight-hour shifts, but sometimes they would be there for nine hours, sometimes 10 hours, because they had an emergency situation that needed help. They had a client who was in need of some more comforting because their animal had just been euthanized, and all sorts of things happen 
Sure, their shift may have been for only eight hours, but they can't leave because they have to help. Um, it's their job. You know, even though there's other people there, like nurses and people like me, customer service guys who just kind of do everything, we can't help them. We can't do what they do. And so their job becomes very stressful and just very busy. They're working nonstop, eight hours a day or more. And as such, the school prefers that you have at least 180 hours of veterinary experience. Now, of course, they go on to say that admitted applicants have an average of 1,475 hours of veterinary experience. So, you know, if you break that down, that's kind of like maybe six months or something like that, if you work 40 hours a week. Yeah, that's something like that. And that's quite a lot. But those people who have worked there for six months know that's what they want to do. Now, of course, it doesn't have to be, like I said, it doesn't have to be a specifically veterinarian hospital. It could also be like veterinary at the zoo, at an aquarium, at a, on a farm. It could be with just a, a guy who is a veterinarian and he works on his own. But it has to be veterinary experience. Um, and that is, that's probably one of the most difficult parts of this application is, is just doing that. It's hard. <laughs> I can speak from personal experience. Dealing with people who wish they could help their dog more, but they don't have the money, so they have to just go for euthanasia. Or you have people who want specific things that we can't provide. The situations are endless, but we have to help them with that. And it's difficult, but it's fun. It's, <laughs> it's stressful, but you get, you get fuzz therapy every day. You get to pet the dogs. Very de-stressing, <laughs> if you like dogs, that is. Anyway. So then that's the, that's the veterinary experience. Now, you don't have to have background in veterinary science to do this. It's like I was saying, I'm a chemistry major, which is non-traditional pre-vet studies. But I was reading this other book called Becoming a Veterinarian by Boris Kochka. And he is a author and book editor for New York Media. And he wrote this little book, Becoming a Veterinarian, like I said where he went around and interviewed tons and tons of veterinarians, all for their success stories. A lot of them came from untraditional backgrounds or had unique situations or all sorts of things. But one of the ones I wanted to talk about was the story he told of one doctor, um, Idina O'Brien. And she started out in music, which is kind of unusual. Apparently, she was going to go to Juilliard. At a certain point in her life, she discovered that she had a love for taking care of animals. And so she got accepted into veterinary school. Now, she had to take all of the academic prerequisites, the biology and all these things, as the book goes on to say. But this is, goes to show that you don't have to be, you know, science major. You don't have to be biology major. You, you can really come from anywhere to become a veterinarian. And that's all because people like me get a job at a veterinary hospital because either they want to, like I did, or in this doctor's case, it was just something that fell into their hands and they were like, okay, I want to do this. Let's do it. They did it. And now they are a successful doctor of veterinary medicine. The next section they talk about on the minimum requirements page is having letters of recommendation. Obviously, you know, having lots of vet experience can help with this, especially as one of the letters of recommendation must be from a veterinarian. And working with veterinarians, you know, they'll become your friends. The one I know. She's a exotic animal vet, preferring to work with you know, birds and reptiles and just non-traditional things other than, you know, like cats and dogs and things like that. And she was telling me that she would be willing to help me out as much as possible on my path to becoming a veterinarian to the best of my ability to really help prepare me for, you know, becoming a veterinarian someday. You know, there are certain things that come with earning letters of recommendation. You can't, you should never just walk up and be like, hey, 
just because I work with you, I need a letter of recommendation. Like it takes, it takes some relationship development before a person will be able and capable of you know, providing a good like letter of recommendation for you. Of course, some things come with that. For example, I was looking at this other website, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it's all about labor statistics. And one of the sections they have here is about veterinarians, Just all sorts of things from what they do to the work environment, to pay to job look, outlook. But one of the section that I was mainly focusing on was how to become one, which, by the way, you can find this website at um, bls.gov. And then if you just type in the search bar veterinarians, um, it'll come up and you can find this for yourself. Anyway, it talks about the education, um, licenses and certifications that you will get from becoming a veterinarian. But this is the, this thing on the bottom of the page that I didn't really see anywhere else in any of the sources that I would probably would not have thought of. But it's the important qualities that veterinarians apparently have been found to really have. And I agree with all of them. And these things are all things that can really help you not only in work at a veterinary hospital to like develop relationships with veterinarians, but also to learn how to, what it takes to become a veterinarian and the kinds of kinds of skills that you'll need. A couple of them are communication, compassion. That was the one that was more surprising because I didn't really think about that. Veterinarians really need to be compassionate because when you're dealing with a family who's just lost their pet hamster of six months, like sure, that might seem like a little bit, okay, like get over yourself. It's just a hamster you've only had for a short time. But even still, could be a person who's just had their 20-year-old dog that's lived with them through a hurricane or something that just had to be put down because it had cancer. If you don't know how to be compassionate and just help these people, then it's going to be something that's going to really turn away clients. It's difficult for them. It would be difficult for you if, you if that was your dog. Anyway, yeah, part of being a veterinarian is not only taking care of the pets, but also the owners. If you only treat the dog and not tell the owner how to help them and not help the owner understand how to take care, better care of the dog, the dog is not going to have a very good quality life. That's part of being a vet. Not only help the animal, but you also have to help the owners. Um, and compassion is a big part of that. And communication skills, you know, that's a huge, huge part. The dogs can't talk to themselves. And so you're going to have to tell the owner why the dog's in pain because the dog can't tell the owner why he's in pain you also need decision making skills you know obviously you're going to be in charge of a veterinary hospital you know sure there might be a hospital manager and all sorts of other people taking care of different things but in reality when it boils down you will become basically the head people are going to come to you with questions about things people are going to ask you money questions all sorts of things and you're going to have to be able to make decisions about all of them you also need to be able to figure out problems you're going to be a surgeon. You need to have manual dexterity. Like all of these things are good qualities to have. And they're all things that will help you in building relationships with veterinarians if you work on it. And in turn, their letters of recommendation will, will reflect that. They'll be able to say, you know, yes, he is very good at problem solving. Yes, he does have a lot of compassion. Like they're all things that if you work on them now, they will work in your favor. And then last couple things. Um, you can't really do prior to the application process. The last thing they require you to do is a multiple mini interview, <laughs> which is pretty fun to say 10 times fast. You go ahead and try and I bet you can't. Basically, they take you to the campus here and they put you in a bunch of situations and see how you deal with them. 
they're basically testing your ability to solve problems. They're not going to ask you, for example, like, oh, this dog's heart is bleeding out. How do you stitch it back up and what kind of stitches? That's not something they're going to test you on. That's something you still have to learn. Basically, here, I'll just read it because it's kind of, it's slightly complicated, but it's pretty simple. Basically, you're going to enter a room. You're going to be presented with a scenario that you have to, to take care of. And there's going to be someone who's basically going to observe you and see what you do and how well, basically, how well do you take care of the scenario? You know, of course, it doesn't, it, that's not requiring a ton of very specific knowledge, but it is just testing your ability to apply the clinical skills that you've learned working at a veterinary hospital. And they're all, that's, you know, that's very, it's a very useful thing um, in my mind and can, you know, also help them, you know, determine how well you show compassion, how well you take charge in a situation, basically test you on not only your knowledge of, you know, veterinary medicine, but also get to look at your character as well, which is another important thing. Now, there was a thing I wanted to read as a conclusion, which is to say that despite all of this stuff, you know, all of these rigorous academic requirements, you know, previous work requirements, they recommend, and this was a thing I saw in pretty much every source I used, but one specifically, which was from the Veterinary Medical School Admission Requirements Preparing, Applying, and Succeeding book, which it's published by the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges, basically the, the group that oversees all of the veterinary schools in the United States, to my knowledge. And they published this to help people like me prepare. And in their chapter on undergraduate preparation, they talk about non-academic experiences. Basically like, okay, so that's interesting. Like, why would they talk about non-academic experiences? And I'll just read it. It says, all non-academic experiences are important. You should pursue experiences that interest you and not worry about what other applicants are pursuing. Most veterinary schools are looking for applicants who have well-documented experiences and can articulate why they chose their experiences and what they have learned from those experiences. Now, doing a bit of talking with my veterinary friend, and she was telling me that basically veterinary schools don't want to be, put it crudely, pumping out people who are all the same. That's not their goal. They want to graduate students who are able to interact and relate to people around the world in different ways. Obviously, if they were just graduating veterinarians who, for example, all liked animals and in their free time basically played with their dogs and cats. Like that would kind of get boring after a while. If you're trying to have a conversation with a veterinarian, it's just like, so what do you do for fun? Oh, I play with my dog and cats. Like we go for walks. Like I like to spend time with animals. Like, you know, okay, that makes sense. But if everyone was like that, then there would be, that wouldn't be very fun. So one thing that I did see and hear from my veterinary friend was that, you know, having unusual background is very helpful into getting into veterinary school. So for me, like I like off-roading. I don't know how that would apply to veterinary school. Maybe I could be a Midwest veterinarian who's capable of treating people's animals in remote locations on farms because I know how to drive on a dirt road and in difficult situations. You know, so that would be something that they would be like, okay, that's interesting. Is that something you'd want to do? Sure, why not? And then, you know, that would help the veterinary school. 
So that is just something that they really recommend is making sure you have, like I said, don't worry about what other app, what the, basically it's like, don't worry about what the other applicants are doing in their free time, because that doesn't matter. If you're on, if you're just copying them, then we'll accept that one guy, then they don't need you because you do the same thing as him, not to put people down or anything. But if you do something that's slightly different than that one guy, then there's, you know, a better chance that you'll get in as well, which is something that, you know, is very, very useful. So go outside, <laughs> go surfing. You know, don't worry about, you know, just get as many hours of veterinary experience and have the best grades and everything as possible because, which, you know, of course, those are all good, good and fine things. I'm not discouraging that, but that's not something that they're focusing on too much is, you know, making sure you're the best at all of them, which, of course, that will help if you were the best at all of them. But at the same time, like my veterinary friend, she worked in the vet industry for 10 years before she applied to vet veterinary school. Like she had prior to that, she was a business major. These are all things that make veterinary school sound really scary. But at the same time, when you really look at them and you really think about them, they all make sense. And they also seem like not as difficult to do. <laughs> now, I, one thing I didn't talk about, which is um, payment of veterinary school, which is not something I'm going to be talking about. Obviously, that changes from school to school. And there's also like scholarships and things like that. But I'm not going to talk about that because that's really not what's important. If you want to be a veterinarian, then these are all things that you're going to be looking at, all of these requirements that I've been talking about. And the money will come if that is something you really want to do, whether it's from you know, loans, scholarships, your family members being supportive, or maybe you won the lottery, who knows. But if that's something you want to do, then it'll come to you. And that wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Yeah, this is the final draft for the UWP 101 final project. It was fun working on this all, <laughs> all the fall quarter 2021 at University of California, Davis. Took a lot of work. I want to thank all my peer reviewers and my professor for all of the feedback I received on it and for listening through those first couple drafts. <laughs> and yeah. Thank you for listening and have a good day.